On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. As far as a 50-centimeter, you know, pounding goes, <laughs> could be a video. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, I don't Canadian know where my, porn hub. Yeah, where, where's Metric my mind at? Porn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Tall Can Audio. And away we go for another Monday morning on the Talk and Audio podcast. My name's Matt Robinson. His name is Rob Christie. We are on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Talk and Audio. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening right now. How's it going today, man? Oh, Matt, it is so fantastic. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, no, it's really just fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thought, thought you were coming in hot, man. I thought yeah, we had no, something here. Yeah. yeah, no, I didn't have pancakes today. I know that usually. Pancakes! Yeah. Usually fires up the Mocking crowd. A bong kick. Yep, bong and a blintz. Yes, but um, no, it's really just a Sunday, and and I I've got a couple of burgeoning old man problems. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I know. Besides those, the ones that you, the ones that the require ones, a rubber glove and a digit, or oh, okay, or a little blue pill. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it's none of those. Um, honestly, but I'm I'm I've again now that I've I've cycled back to home. Gyms are closed at least for another week. Mm-hmm got the kettlebells out again and honestly i love working out with the kettlebells right but something just always seems to go wrong like this morning i'm i'm, I'm i get up great sunday morning window. yeah yes hey <laughs> people are throwing meat against the window again yes. <laughs> nothing like that no um but i'm stretching and then all of a sudden oh, twins like a tweak right in my neck right going up Ooh. to my left ear yeah so it's actually i'm doing the show under under physical duress because I can't actually I can't actually look to my left. So fresh off the IR or headed on to the IR. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm actually working my way through trying to tough it out, Matt, because right. I'm a gamer. That's how I go. Of course, yeah. But uh, you know, I've also um, you know I've I've come well beveraged. So uh, that a boy that should that should get me through whatever else happens. What about you? How are you doing over there? You know what? It's all right, man. And I have to assume, um, you know, I, I had a better week. I would assume than you did only in the sense that as we're talking about old man workouts and, and stuff like that, uh, the condo fees here, see things cleared up for me. How many times were you out? I know it was early in the week, but, uh, you know, taking care of the laneway, taking care of the driveway. And, uh, is that perhaps contributing to your ah, stiffened well, neck? You wouldn't think so. Cause that's, that's really six days out. Yeah. Um, and, and God bless my employer. Told me after I got off the air, don't come into work tomorrow. Nice. We, w- we want to keep the streets clear, so this is a paid day off. These slack-ass government workers. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, 
So I, um, you know, I rolled out about uh, 9 a.m. Did first of three shovels. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, for me, so there was almost 49 centimeters fell yeah. in the greater capital area. So, um, yeah, I took down probably 25 in the first shovel. I took care of my laneway and I share a laneway. Mm-hmm. So I took care of both sides. Look at this guy. Because, yeah, he was working next door neighbor and we... Uh, He's good. I've come home some, uh, some days and he's taking care of the end of the laneway and whatnot. So with a big, with a big dump like that. Yeah. I took care of both sides three times. I was out, uh, about nine. I was out again about one and then just about four o'clock before dark. Right. So, and then when I came home the next day, he had taken care of the hump at the end. What a guy. Eh? So yeah, man. And because it was so light, it was super cold. Yeah. And it was so light. It actually shoveled quite nicely. So you know, for a 50 It wasn't heart attack snow. Yeah. And thank God I'm not there yet. No, I understand. But it's, it's normally the heavy, wet stuff that, that that's it, the, the stroke inducing heart attack yes, or shovel and I would, Yeah. And I would not have loved that <laughs> had that been the case. Because no. it was so light that in, it, like it's in, by that point there had been 30, but it drifts up into, so some places it's, yeah, it's almost to my knee. Yep. But you're able to, it's so light, you're able to almost like canoe shovel the top part, right? Sure. Whoosh, throw it away and then shovel down to the, yeah. So it was, as far as a 50 centimeter, you know, pounding goes, well, that should be a, could be, could be a video. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, I don't know Canadian porn hub. Yeah. Where, where's Metric my mind at? porn. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> wow, man. That's got to be a solid foot and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was easy. It took care of, and so you, you couldn't have asked for much better. So no, I, I don't think that's contributing to my, to my physical breakdown, but, right. um, you know, if it was wet, sorry, buddy's on his own. What do you make uh, just before we get into the beers here, man, did you happen to see Dougie's performance on Monday? Premier Ford. I was shoveling around with this lame ass little shovel. Well, first he's on FaceTime with CP24 while driving. And you're like, that's gotta be, is anybody paying attention to anything here? No. The cops are telling you stay off the road. Here he is on, you know, not national, but whatever on television, distracted driving. And he must've said 14 times during the interview, I'm just like anybody else. I'm just trying to help. Like just doing what anybody else. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Cause not a, there are lots of people like Rob out taking care of their neighbor. They're not all making sure they hit TV time for it. And I got, I got a little bit of a break for him for the small shovel. A lot of people saying, you know, what were you thinking? And he is driving a big truck. So maybe if this was what he was going to do for the day, maybe you should have thought ahead, but that is a car size shovel. So whatever. But it turns out when CTV first and then several other news outlets are sharing the photos of him just being a good Samaritan and helping people, the photos were sent from his PR person who was yeah, like, come on, man. And Election year. Yeah. Well, get in your office, like help manage this thing instead of helping one car for a photo yeah. op. And, and one of the things that stands out to me, man, as, as someone who grew up in the GTA and it's a weird stance to take. It's a weird place to get defensive. This is one of the things that he took from his brother, Mayor Rob Ford, international train wreck, right? That made it all over the world on people making fun of the Rob Ford story ended terribly. But one of the reasons Rob Ford got elected onto city council and then eventually mayor 
was because he genuinely did the things that Doug now does for PR. He, he gave out, he didn't advertise it on TV like Doug does, but he would give out his phone number to the average Joe. He would do these micro actions that would make sure the little guy got taken care of. He was incredibly popular for a while and it kind of sucks to see Doug like, oh, people like that. Well, we like it less on television while your PR person is sending in photos of you digging out one random car and actually shoveling the snow off of the car back onto the road is not that helpful, Doug, but <laughs> like it's just, it's fucked up, man, to see this is premier Ford. Get in your office and I can only imagine you'd have been more help there than out. Maybe not actually. Yeah, but. no, I think, I think you got that wrong, man. I mean, <laughs> you're talking and all I can think of is, Fat guy with a little shovel. <laughs> little, Because he kind of reminds me like that's what Tommy Boy would be like if Tommy Boy became premier of the province. Hasn't he? Yes, <laughs> he has. He has because Dofo is somewhere between Chris Farley and Brian Denny. Yeah. That is kind of what we get there. So between so, the distracted driving on winter roads and sending whatever PR shots into CTV, it's just... Just a gross day all around. Um, what have you cracked into today, man? Um, this is courtesy of... I almost did it again. Good friend of the show. The story of a girl. Sometime enjoyer of the podcast. <laughs> Occasional. because Exactly, because that's really all we all are, right? <laughs> Podcasts are like a box of chocolates. Mm. You never know what you're going to get. This is, uh, I think this beer has been kicking around for quite a while. I think they were one of the early early guys in on the craft scene. I've never had this beer though. This is um, fractured by Amsterdam Brewing out of Toronto. It's an Imperial IPA. Comes in at a beefy 9%. Nice. So it says to me, that right on the can, neck. says to me, because that's for sure it will, uh, you know, Lemon, banana, and melon. So um, <laughs> that's that's odd. There's a lot happening yeah. right there in that can. Um, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've planted the seed and now Matt can't It's going to be it. one of these shows. Touch it. Touch it. <laughs> um, first pull, I, I fully anticipate a boozy beverage, which is what little Stevie said. Um, but... Um, yeah, we're gonna see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to let it warm up a bit. Amateur what? move. I, I, well, I pulled it out of the fridge right mm, away, okay. right? And so, anything like this, you know, kind of has that smooth electric taste right off the top. Right. Where you're like, that when it warms up is gonna taste boozy. But I'm certainly not getting much of anything right at this moment. But as I say, as it, as it warms slightly, I, I should be able to give a little better um, report on it. What do you have over there today? Well, just before we get into that, is you know, you've, you've mentioned, uh, frequent listener, occasional enjoyer of the podcast, little Stevie, uh, also pretty good to us on social media, likes to share the episodes around. Tell your friends, folks, like little Stevie does. Uh, is he little? Is he a little fella? No, he's actually probably two inches taller than me. Okay. So that's, uh, <laughs> I wondered that cause you have a tendency to throw around nicknames that while enjoyable, aren't always super accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really Rob's. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's whatever comes out of Rob's pie bowl. Right. right. That's a, and it, it just like little Stevie Van Zandt. Yeah, just, okay. you know, just to me. And he doesn't, he actually, he's a, 
he's one of those Stefan kind of guys. Mm. So, um, no, he's not little. He's mm. actually taller than me. Right. But, um, yeah. Anyways, a little 50 centimeter pounding. Uh, this is the, uh, <laughs> the coffee lager from the side launch brewing company. Coffee lager. Yeah. Which is, uh, they say it's going to be uh, a little bit dark. We'll post the photos as we always do at talk and audio on Instagram. Uh, only 5.3%, which is fine, but side launch is up in Collingwood, uh, where I assume Dougie is right now, hanging out back at the cottage while the rest of us power through the world that he's left us. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've had plenty of coffee stouts. I do think I've had a co- one, at least coffee lager before, but it's not something I've tried a bunch of. So I'll be fascinated to see what this is all about. Like I said, running in here at about a 5.3%. So we'll see what that looks like. Well, and I'm sure, and it's funny cause I, I was dropping a message from my younger brother yesterday and I was telling him about the black bellows that I had last week. Well, black my- bellows. But my mind had totally broken, right? I couldn't come up with Collingwood. I was like, Caledonia, <laughs> Carlingwood. Right. I'm like, I don't know, man. It's totally gone for me. So the fact that you would bring that up on the show today, and I'm sure Dougie is up there right now. He's speaking with his buddies, the ones who he's usually golfing with, and trying to figure out the end game for the pandemic here. Because Oh, know. Doug is going to solve it. That's cool. That's what he does, I'll right? I was talking to my buddies at golfing after having a couple Friends, of Friends, yeah, folks, shut up. Countrymen. Yes. Lend me your dollars. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. What do you think? I think um, there's an election coming up very soon. No, what do you think of your Get beer? Out and vote. Oh, yeah, that. Um, it's pretty good. It's not as good as a coffee stout, but uh, I prefer stouts over lagers, so no one will be surprised to hear me say that. It's... Uh, it, it, I see what they're going for. It is a lighter flavor to it, and uh, but it definitely has the the coffee thing to it. It does make me wonder if this isn't the coffee lager that I've tried before. But on Untapped, <laughs> I haven't checked it in before. So if okay. I if I did uh, if I if it is the one I, I didn't check it in, that's not always a super reliable way of of going about this. But uh, yeah, it's all right. That's well, about the beauty, it. The beauty is that. You love a coffee stout or a mm-hmm. porter mm-hmm. and maybe the occasional coffee lager, mm-hmm. but you don't enjoy a coffee. At all. No, no time whatsoever for a coffee. Which is, which is, which is means Matt's one of those guys who likes to wander up and down the shopping aisle and you get to the coffee aisle and loves the smell yep. of maybe a freshly roasted or ground bean, but really no, no interest. Not in- at all. Yeah. It's funny that you went to the grocery store thing, like. I don't know. We've, we've traveled enough. You're walking through a lobby. There's always coffee yep. on, uh, everybody else, but me has come to the sh- airport shuttle with a coffee, uh, wake up at the cottage in the morning, the coffee's on. I, I legitimately, I do enjoy the smell of it, yep. but I just have no interest whatsoever in, in having one. Well, and I go to the, I go to the grocery store cause that's my earliest memory of it. Right. Was, was wandering, you know, with your parents and yep. back in the day at the local AMP. Yes. And going nice up and down pull. the aisles and you get the, uh, you get to the coffee aisle and I was always so drawn to the smell of it. Right. Yep. But to me at that age, I'm like five or six, whatever it's, it's like, oh, that's not for kids. Oh, that's, it, it felt like there was a bit of a <laughs> mystery and intrigue to it yep. as well. Right? I ended up falling so, heavy into the other things that weren't for kids, but yes, uh, never the coffee. Yeah. So it just interesting, yep. interesting how that works out. I am a full on lover of coffee and most coffee does not taste like it smells. So nope. I totally get that, Matt. Uh, want to remind the good listener on the heels of UFC 270, which we'll get to later in, uh, in the show, 
uh, we got another another group of of athletic men in their underwear getting ready to square off, and we will have a preview for that on Thursday morning. Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet rejoins the show, and we will talk about the 2022 WWE Royal Rumble uh, on Thursday. That'll be fun. Kevin's always a great guest. Um, manages to to keep the rest of us informed on. You know, sometimes there's a little Hollywood crossover. Sometimes there's your returning stars that those of us, although fewer and fewer, right? Like you can't keep trotting out guys from 97. They're in their 50s now. Do I have my kid? He could be, man. Probably not. But uh, the <laughs> wheelchair is going to be hard to get over the top rope. But uh, yeah, all right. we'll see the what bu- that looks dogs, like. Yeah, yeah, right on, man. Yeah. So uh, Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet will be back on the show on Thursday to talk about the Royal Rumble. Why don't we start... Today's just show. Just, just a second. All right. And, and I know, and I, I do this all the time, but we're not looking at each other, so you got to give me a bit of a... Try not to. Uh, going back... Yeah. <laughs> going back to the uh, Andrew Stoughton show. Yeah. Interesting, you floated that, you know, this very same thing, right? UFC 270's coming up, Creech and Bunda, and then, you know, the the Mick Foley thing coming up. Not Mick Foley. Mick Foley? Kevin oh, Mickey? Yeah, Kevin Mickey. Man, <laughs> man. I think I did that the last time he was on, too. <laughs> Um, and, and you floated that as though, and you're like, so the wrestling and he's like, and he was a man after my own heart. I'm like, yes, man. See, he goes, I tried it. Loved it as a kid. Tried it. Nah. That's all right, man. It ain't for everybody, but uh, I know I get it. And and I've said to you before, cause you've chastised me for, for taking a run at it as, (laughs) as, um, you know, child's play, but there is a market and, and, and there's a pile of people watching it, man. A pile of people watching it, so it's not my thing. Well, and I'm going to, let me take a stab at it. Like, you remember as a kid, the Royal Rumble, like the concept. For sure. So if if you lost a bet, and I was to say to you, you're going to have to sit down and watch one wrestling show this year. Is that not probably the one? Like, WrestleMania is the, their Super Bowl, but it's paying off their year-long storyline. Survivor Series and Royal Rumble are the only two, like, concept shows right like one is five on five team whatever and the, the royal rumble is i don't know to me even at, at the, they're still bringing them out every two minutes does that still happen every one minute i believe now every but one I, minute. i'm sure kevin will have the uh the okay. lowdown they have adjusted it over the years depending on you know how long they need the show to be and and really it's it's every 67 seconds it's 54 yeah, yeah. So whatever we need it to be to get through this. yeah yeah well and again it to me it's and i'm in my teens somewhere mid-teens maybe yeah. 15 when that first one came down and you know the first one was acts of de- of demolition and the second one was smash of yeah demolition, right and then the, the two of them are looking at each other it was like oh and then they just start laying it on each other for two minutes until somebody else gets down there right yep. and so yeah you know i get it and i get how the wrestling head would be excited by today's sure Today's play, you know, and, and quite often it doesn't always have your top end guys, or at least it didn't in the day. Yeah, because the winner gets a championship match at WrestleMania. So at least your champion isn't in it, right? And, right. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. That yeah. There are my, and that I believe was the first Royal Rumble. Yeah. In so, Hamilton, Ontario. Cops Coliseum. I'm bringing it way back. That a boy. Uh, so that'll be, uh, we'll let Kevin Mickey take it from there uh, on Thursday morning. Why don't we start in La Belle Provence? Because it has been a little while since we've talked about the Habs. Um, the Nordiques are 
on the radar, but not. Not. Um, we've got uh, some talk about where things stand between the city of Montreal and the Tampa Rays with the, the split Rays. season thing. Where do you want to start with all things Quebec? I think we start out with um, the quick Heisman that appears to the NHL and uh, has seemed to give the city of Quebec in terms of their bringing back the the glory days of the Nordiques. Yeah, uh, this would be, a, it wasn't this past week, it was the week before, I guess. That, yeah, uh, the week before. Yeah, that the NHL met with uh, provincial officials in uh, in Quebec who want to bring back a team to Quebec City. They do have an NHL caliber rink in Quebec City. Uh, we've seen different ownership groups be interested before, chiefly whoever owns uh, Quebec or, uh, I forget. Quebec or, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the idea that maybe the way Winnipeg did it was the way you do it. You, you don't do gym ball silly. You don't go out trying to pluck teams out of bankruptcy or buy them and pull them out of their original cities. You just make it clear we're interested and we're here and we're ready when you need somewhere to go. Um, they lost out in the expansion process to Seattle, which I think everyone expected at the time was going to be the case, but they still want to have a team end up there. And so there was some talk in late 2021 that the NHL was going to have a meeting with provincial officials. Um, it had to be Bill Daly on the press conference. He was like, yeah, that's in January. Cause Gary didn't even appear to know that that was coming, which should have been a, <laughs> a red flag sign. right there. Uh, what you also should know is that I believe it's a provincial election year in Quebec. So those officials want to make it look like they're doing good things for, uh, for the people of Quebec, but this is still a, a small market that doesn't have a ton of corporate backing, apparently less corporate residency than even Winnipeg. I don't know what that means. I do know Winnipeg's ownership is like a top yeah. five richest families in Canada kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's a different situation. But I think while the people of Quebec believe that their city could, uh, could support a team, um, yeah, the NHL doesn't seem quite so certain because by all accounts, that meeting was just sort of like, Hey, thanks for your interest. Let's, yeah. let's talk later. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, they are so much more interested in going to Kansas City, Houston. Or, yeah, any other American market that is is in the sort of top 10, you know, viewership, they're way more interested than they know that for the most part, good Quebec City-based hockey fan is still watching. Mm -hmm. Right? So they're like, yeah, you my friend are a last resort right? In terms of, of, of trying to f plant a flag in an area where there is no coverage right now, because you are still being served. Yeah. Whether you're watching you like the house. Yeah. This is it. Like if, if Ottawa was to leave, there would be a, a blank hole for a bit. Then I would gravitate towards something else, right? I, I'm still a hockey fan. Yep. So I, I believe once that sadness has, has passed with Quebec, city fans and the Nordiques going to Colorado, they've moved on to something else. They're still being served. So it's not like there's more eyeballs being drawn to the NHL by putting a team there. Whereas, as you said, servicing another large U.S. market. I think Houston's the fourth largest 
yeah. fifth largest market in North America and it doesn't yeah. have a team. Like, Well, and, and Kansas City is absolutely in there in that yep. top 10 range as well. Um, you know, baseball's there. They've obviously got a thriving NFL franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just it just makes sense. And, and as much as we love it, right, and go, yeah, another, another, an eighth Canadian team would be fantastic. Um, it's not happening. Not happening right now. Well, so two things on that for me, one is the timing, like Canada is a pain in the ass for the NHL right now yeah. in terms of crossing the border, in terms of number of people allowed in buildings. And I, I know we're all hoping and assuming that this isn't going to carry on forever, but right now to walk up to Gary and go, how about another team in Canada is probably not yeah. well-timed. Yeah. And the other thing to me that goes into it is, I think they like having Quebec there, and we've talked about it before on the show, the same way they had Winnipeg. We want to expand and get get expansion money, whether it be in Kansas City, whether it be in Houston. But if we have an emergency right now, like someone comes in like Atlanta did and said, you do whatever you want with this team, I'm not paying one more bill. It's your problem tomorrow. And they turned around and went, Winnipeg, how about a team back? And and Winnipeg. They were happy to have it. And I think they like knowing that Quebec is there. You could do that tomorrow, right? You have an ownership group. You have a provincial government happy to have you. You have a building. It's not where they want to be, but you have this kind of, you know, back pocket, fail safe, or, you know, break glass yeah, yeah. in a case of exactly. emergency. Your, your franchise e-bug. Right, exactly. <laughs> so to me, I think they like knowing that that's there if they need it and we'll go try and do almost anything else to make money first. Yeah, uh, I agree 100%. Yeah. Now, you know what? I've been to a game. I went to see a Nordiques game and it was a dynamite environment and it's a great place to go. But the reality is Name me a name me a Toronto franchise. Name me a Canadian <laughs> franchise that is a destination for hockey players. Like you mean that want to sign there? Yeah, that want to come as free agents. Like I, I, we've talked about before, there's guys who who come here and they're drafted here and they love it here and it's all they know. But man, the, a Toronto is 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 a great option because. They can pay, and there's all kinds of creative ways and whatnot, and, and it's a huge market. they think they might be a good bet to win, right? Like, it wasn't quite as an attractive market when they were terrible. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure anybody thinks it's Well, fair. Win. You know what I'm saying, though, right? <laughs> I, like, do know what you, yeah. I do know what you mean. But the Canadian Vancouver market, maybe as well. Maybe. Yeah, but again, this is a market, Canada as a whole, yeah. where you are across the board – under the spotlight. Yep. Right. And you taxes go, universally are higher than almost anywhere in the U.S. You can go to Philly and, and you know, the Flyer fan will know you, but like you were in a Canadian market, everybody knows you. Even the fringe fan yes. knows who you are. And so it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard, there's the, there's the if you're non-Canadian, so there's the attention, mm-hmm. there's how much you live. And it's great when you're winning. Sure. It's, it's a great place to be when you're winning because Everyone loves a winner, but yeah, if you're just middle of the middle of the road or you're sucking, like who so many of them are, yep. You know, it, it's a tough, it's a tough market. Whereas if you could just, you know, tuck yourself away in Carolina 
or or Tampa or Florida, like you're on great teams, but nobody's bugging you at the grocery store. (laughs) Right. Hanging out in Nashville and you're like, I'm going to blend into the strip out there on Broadway when I leave and then we're done, man. And so it's, it's, it's hard. And I don't think any of these, um, any of these franchises, whether it be an eighth in Quebec, yeah, are super desired locations, man, for, for players. Is it not possible just quickly, and you're not going to love the premise. And what, yeah, that's okay. If Eugene is the guy who throws the keys on the table, yep. maybe Quebec is the fail-safe there, right? Because that's already a Canadian team. It's already a city that doesn't have a huge corporate market. So what are you really losing to go from one to the other? Yep. Like, to me, I don't actually, as much as I like to rattle the cages on Twitter... Uh, at talking and audio, if you like having your cage rattled. Um, I don't believe the Sens are going anywhere, but I do believe both the fan base and the league wants to see this solidified before they give away Quebec to anyone else, because I do think it's easier to move a Canadian team to another Canadian market than a than an American team to an Ameri- or a Canadian market. And right now, Ottawa is the one that most... If you if you picked one of the seven Canadian teams and said one of these is in trouble, you'd point at Ottawa. Of course, of yeah, course. Yeah. And and if you look at um, you know Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Ottawa as as the four of the sort of junior yeah. partners in terms of population, all those sorts of things. Um, Winnipeg deep pockets, ownership. Edmonton, yep. Rexall deep pockets. Yep. Right. Um, Ottawa. Not deep pockets may have been BioVail back in the day when they came on billionaire. Yeah, no longer billionaire. Right, right. So this absolutely you have you have the not quite a perfect storm because it's far easier than than that when you have an owner who no longer has deep pockets and you have fan dissatisfaction yep. and you have a small corporate base. Ottawa is absolutely that spot where, yeah, man, you need to have. 100% fan buy-in. And that hasn't been the case for the better part of a decade. Uh, as we stay in Quebec, the Habs have a new general manager in uh, Kent Hughes. He's a player agent who has given up his agency, which I guess is you know, a bigger deal than maybe a lot of us initially would have considered. This was a name that I had read a few times as sort of on the outskirts of the the discussion. We'd all heard Matthew Darsh. We'd heard Danielle Briere, uh, another name or two here and there. But that this guy was, you know, in the mix. Um, he goes from being his own boss and being a played player agent to kind of giving that up handing the reins to somebody else, whatever his equity would be in that company, moving over and becoming part of the cog, like a cog in the machine on the other side. Uh, I don't expect most of us believe that his clients like Patrice Bergeron, Chris Letang will just suddenly start showing up in Montreal, but it was a big adjustment. Um, He will be, I think by all accounts, sort of the face of this thing, but working under Jeff Gordon in Montreal, what'd you think of the hire? Two things, two things, Mahat, first of all, is uh, home run. Home run, in my opinion, for the Montreal Canadiens. Hmm. You have, you've got Jeff Gorton there, who's still going to continue to pull the strings, yes. and who I think has continued to, you know, through his time 
up up and through the Rangers, right? I think he was with the Bruins before that. Yep. But up up and through the Rangers, I think he's made good moves. I think he made fast moves. I think he made smart moves with the Rangers. A little luck, but, sure. You know, but but nice moves. They hired him, and if he's going to be the guy, and if you can get a Franco in below him to be the puppet, the face, whatever you want to call it, right? And then for you to bring in a former agent, uh, I think is is a home run who speaks French, right? So it's it's comes with a negotiating background. I, I like it a lot. The other part is, and I personally, axe the grind guy, <laughs> ha- have an issue with the uh, Quebecois who... The, the initial backlash because the guy's name is Kent Johnson. Kent He's not Hughes. A, Kent Hughes, sorry. I'm thinking of the... Uh, Junior but, guy who's going to play yeah, for Canada at the Olympics. Exactly. But Kent Hughes, um, not a real Francophone name. Um, he's not a real Quebecois, all these things. Yeah, apparently, just to lay that out for the listener, he's he's born in, in Montreal. Beaconsfield. Yeah, and but is an... This is where we draw the line, right? You and I don't live there, but he's an Anglophone Quebecois who speaks French. He's bilingual. He can communicate. But English is his first language as opposed to a Francophone Quebecois. And at some point, like we've been through this and I, I keep getting told, I, I get mentions on online and whatever. You just don't understand how important it is because you don't live here. And fine. But at some point, this is what he has to be. Francois Richard before we can take yeah. this seriously. Jean-Philippe Bolduc. Right. He, he's born in Quebec. He speaks French at some point. Yeah. Like, do you not just want the best guy? And this is the best case scenario. You have a Quebec-born guy who speaks French. Yes. Bam! Check that box. Right. That box that I think is ridiculous. Yep. You as a, as a, Quebec, as a Quebec fan, okay, I'll grant you, I don't know. Uh, I don't have any time for the idea that... I wouldn't be happy if if the Leafs or the Senators had a Russian coach. Sure, or a, if he's right? the best guy for the job, well, let's do it. If there's somebody else is going to handle the PR and he and he knows the stuff, but I get okay, I'll give you that. Yep. But this is a guy who's born there yep. and who speaks the language. Yep. And if the reality is, you know, put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants whatever it may be. And if you're dissatisfied because the guy's name is not Patrick Waugh, <laughs> then come out and say that. Right. Come out and say that because you know what? Patrick Waugh isn't going to be the guy because he's got way too much big dick energy <laughs> for anybody to work with. One of the things that did come out of this is that by all accounts, the French media were largely happy with his opening press conference. And so far, that's all we have to judge, right? right? The way he communicated, the way he spoke, the the language and and communicated with that part of the media. This is, this is a fan driven thing and fans are almost never happy, right? So the, the people who are unhappy so far are people who wanted a more Francophone Quebecois general manager. It can be that one side or the other of the media in Montreal, the English side or the French side can sink you. So far, that is not the case. It's it's a fan driven thing, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, don't don't do not for a second think that there's not, as you said, a certain section of the francophone media, print especially. Yep. 
that has absolutely got chubs for for this kind of thing, right? It has sure. to be. It has to be your. But not yet. No. Okay. But I'm just saying that is that is so far. That's just around the corner, right? And, and Matt, I think you're underselling Ken Hughes in terms of or Ken Johnson, <laughs> either one of them. When what we got from him was he laid the blueprint out. He said, "Yeah, we want to be fast and skilled." And you're like, "What a fucking revelation!" Yeah, right good there, idea. man. That's my guy. I know that's my guy because he wants to play fast and be skilled. It's a great idea, man. Man, oh man. Uh, what do you make just before we move off this of the? The Habs lately, they are, I believe, still last in the league. Got a point out of Colorado. Not bad on the road. Um, but, man, we've we've talked about them before. Neither one of us thought they were legit Stanley Cup finalists last year. Sometimes you just get hot and, and shit happens. Uh, but I don't think either one of us picked them to be last place. Uh, there's injuries all over the place. There's lackluster performances all over the place. <laughs> Uh, Nick Suzuki is your top scorer with, I think, 19 points at this point, or at least that's what it was going into Saturday. What's wrong with Montreal? Well, and and you have the last place team with the most salary. (laughs) That's a bad mix. (laughs) They have the highest salary. Trust me on this, folks. I've been there. (laughs) So you're you're paying the most and you're getting the least amount of results. And so when it comes down to... terrible first date. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You're like, hey, what happens when we get you out of those... Oh, Oh, no. Oh, oh dear. It's a life raft. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it it comes down to this is where Gordon and and Hughes have their absolute work cut out for them, right? In Mm -hmm. terms of they are going to have to... They're going to have to do something. And, and I was on, I was on cap friendly just, just prior to showing up on the show. And I'm like, where are they at? And where is this money? And, and if you look at, they got Anderson for six more years, they got sure six, six plus more years of Gallagher. They got three of Hoffman. They got four of Dvorak. They got three more of Toffoli. They got price price. They got Savard for another three or four years. And that guy's been a fucking train wreck. <laughs> And you got them for four more years. Yep. And you're like, where are you going to send this money? Like, where are you going to get rid of this? When you see players like uh, just towards the end of this past week, Tyler Toffoli was interviewed and he's like, I like it here. I want to be a part of the turnaround. Dude, you are gone. Like, you are not going to be part of the solution here. Your money has to go and they need to rebuild. Um, Look, I think we both think that if Price and Allen are back, they're better than they are now, but they're not a, a, com- a contender at all. And this thing needs to be torn down to the studs. You hold on to your Suzuki's and your Caulfield's and your Romanov's and yep. not and much it. else. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that everybody else is up for sale, but I just don't know with well, the money good. left and the term left beyond like if I'm the Leafs going into the playoffs and let's assume we had cap room Sherratt I'm interested in probably Sherratt and Kulak are future Toronto Maple Leafs maybe yeah Sherratt I'm interested in everybody else you're sort of like probably not at that price right no thanks yeah well and the thing is you look at Tyler Toffoli that's a guy who who could probably get you 20 in in his sleep and yeah push 30 some years yeah 
4.25 mat yeah. for three more years. Like that's that's the guy you probably want to keep, but he's the most tradable comp yeah. of the of the bit, right? Like he's the guy that you could move. The other guys are making too much money with too much term. Like Mike Hoffman, you got three more years. Any takers? No. Well, you and I disagreed quite a bit on Josh Anderson at the beginning. I think at times borne out my argument on that. He's just not what that one year said he was. And that was a year that they banked on times seven or whatever the hell they gave him. Yeah. Well, they actually, like to me, he was great for stretches last year in Montreal. Like I, I like him, but you're looking at six more years. Now let me see what his cap is. Yeah. Too much money, man. He had one point in the last 13 games last year. Like there weren't many stretches last year where he was good. I remember in game one in that series against Toronto, he's running around and he's throwing hits and you're like, oh man, this could be a thing. And period two, in period two, he just vanished for basically the rest of the series. Now I, I wonder, and this is a whole other thing that we don't need to go. When John Tavares had his head taken off for a game or two, the whole series looked different from both like, uh, right? <laughs> like, yeah, no, to me, the thing is I love the physical tools that come with Josh Anderson. I think you like the idea of Josh Anderson, but not what he's been since that shoulder surgery. Yeah. And so, no, but to me, I think to look at, and I don't have his stats handy. He had a very good regular season. He didn't. Um, I'm I telling think- you, he absolutely did not. He was a bust down the stretch. Down the stretch. But there was times to me where, especially in the first half of the year, he was dominant. Now, the thing is, where I'm coming at this is, I don't think the guy's got a pinch of hockey sense. No, he doesn't. And and that, to me, is where I've come to the the guy's a a powerful skater, great, like, bam, going to the net, forecheck, whatever, good to go. And then if he doesn't have the puck or he doesn't turn the puck over, he just loops around, heads to the bench. Right. And and I get it. And so I have come your way since since that initial. But yeah, I thought he was, you know, he had some some flashes of dominance in the first half of, of last season. Uh, coming off a one-goal season in Columbus, I believe, the year before he yeah. was traded over, right? Yep. And they gave him that, and I don't know, he's like 5.5 million or yep. whatever it is. Times seven years. And so... He had told Columbus, one year or seven years, yeah. I'm not you know, give me the security or let me walk basically. And they traded that to Montreal and Montreal, yeah, we'll give you the security and they shouldn't well, have done that. And now, now you, how happy you think, and I haven't looked at Max Domi's stats. Sure. He was healthy, scratched a little bit. Yeah. He, he was, and this is non Tortorella times, right? You yep. just, uh, this, this beer here, just as we, um, yep. as we carry on, it has a nice sort of, I get a slight banana bouquet, mm. but it's more melon. I don't get much citrus. And yeah, the warmer it gets, it is getting boozy. But it wasn't boozy off the hop. Right. Just just so you know. Well, sometimes the cold will do that, right? For sure it, it numbs will. that a little. So, so uh, to me, but this is where, and I, I think I think Montreal is well set up in terms of their management now. Yes. But they, they have yeoman's work to do. Yep. Uh, why don't we stay in Quebec for one more topic here? And uh, there will be a team not 
joining the Quebec sports landscape that uh, there had been some talk might be the Tampa Bay Rays for a long time. Uh, the last, it's been at least two years now. We've been talking about this plan, this idea that they would split seasons between Tampa and Montreal. The first half would be played down in Florida. Second half would be played up in Montreal. Uh, the Bronfman group there who at times had uh, ownership stakes in the original Montreal Expos were involved. Uh, it was going to require a ballpark to be built in Montreal. Tampa itself, look, I, I shit on the dome a lot. The dome that Tampa plays in is just horrendous. It looks like a gigantic rec room. Uh, it's often <laughs> empty. And they, you know, sort of thought, you know, we could do this half year thing uh, build a slightly smaller park with less an amenities because we're also going to be pulling in some money from Montreal. That deal that we've talked about on the show before got snapped this past week. The Montreal or the uh, Major League Baseball Executive Committee, which is eight owners who kind of it, they have this in in every league that are sort of like the the voice of all of them, came in at the last minute and said, "No, you're not doing that. You're not going and splitting a season between Montreal." Now there's a bunch of different. Uh, a bunch of different theories here. One of them that comes to mind for me, and, and I believe Stephen Bronfman actually said this to the Montreal media last week, is he believes that this was Major League Baseball's executive committee doing Tampa and their owner uh, Sternberg a favor. We are going to help you play this card in the hopes that it will draw money or property out of the Tampa Bay government for you to finally get your full-time ballpark built. And they went down the road and down the road and down the road and Tampa's government went, okay, yeah, like we'll do that. We'll do the half city thing or the half season thing. And, and it just got to a point no! where, right. They, they called your bluff basically. Um, the other one I've seen Jeff Blair, from uh, Sportsnet in Toronto report is he believes that the Bronfman family and the Montreal side of this was only weeks away from going official on, you know, their proposal to the city for building a ballpark. Like you were out of time on that end as well. Like they had to get started or not. Um, and, and this executive committee, within baseball said, no, we're not doing this. Now there's a bunch of talk, Rob Manford, the commissioner of baseball, who's rather unpopular right now as stands anyway, um, that he actually was on side with this plan, but this executive committee is who he works for. And once they went, no, we're not doing this. Um, that was it. He was out. So whether it was Montreal needed to get shovels in the ground or they realized they weren't getting any more money out of the Tampa government, uh, this deal's dead. Um, I had originally, I think we both scoffed at the idea initially that this was ever going to happen, but the further it went down the road, the more I was convinced maybe, yeah, like maybe they're going to do this. I don't know if you came along with that or not. Where do you stand now that it's dead in the water? Never. Yeah. Right since the moment that they put that billboard up and they wanted to post the billboard for the Rays playoff game saying, you know. Oh yeah, out the outfield. Future home. Yeah. Like, to me, it's just been a ploy all the way along, and I became more on that side, that the good fans of Montreal were just being used, right, as this, you know, cock blocker <laughs> kind of thing. And you just sort of go, it's bullshit. And when you look at um, 
you know, looking around. And, and I said to you, when, when we, we were floating topics back and forth, I'm like, ah, I don't got a lot of passion for this. But I, I was kicking around, looking at some stuff and, and, and listening to some different uh, vloggers and whatnot mm-hmm. from, the, from the Tampa area. And they're like, yeah, first of all, it's the St. Petersburg race, right? It's not yes. even, yep. it's not even the Tampa, they, they need to come across the bay to join, you know, in Champa Bay with the, <laughs> with the lightning. The Bucks. And, and the Bucks, like you're like, come across here, build a smaller stadium where the fan base is. Or perhaps when you look at MLB attendance last year, and this is including a Toronto, a Toronto Blue Jays team that played in Dunedin <laughs> and had to play in Buffalo. The bottom three in attendance in the MLB, any guesses, Matt? Miami, Tampa, and Oakland. Correct, Matt. Yeah, always and, is. <laughs> and so under 10,000 people going to those games on average. Yeah. And so maybe when you're only two... Florida teams are both averaging under 10,000 people. Maybe there's a lot of people down there not loving the baseball. Yeah, that just don't give a shit. This is it, man. I love my spring training ball when the weather isn't oppressive. Mm -hmm. And you have that brand brand new, but that very recently uh, built stadium in Miami. Whether it's a decade old now, it's, it's, you are talking. With the fish tank behind home plate that fish started dying in on national television. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, well, and it's really since they're, since their world series years, the team yeah. is really also like that fish has yeah. gotten belly up in the tank. True. Um, but yet to me, you gotta either, this has been a ploy the whole way along. And I think I became more that way, the further along it went. Like if you were, you know, a bumpkin from up the valley, who'd never seen it. Maybe they're at that Renfrew McDonald's. If you were to say, Still. Hey, hey man, yeah, waiting. <laughs> if you were to say, Hey man, we're going to go in the early years when in the early months, when it's not too bad, you know, and then when it's wintry in, in Canada, still mm-hmm. you're going to be in Florida. And then it's as soon as the weather turns super hot and humid in, in, in Florida, we're going to send you up North where the weather is gorgeous. And, it makes sense, like really in a, in a sort of uh, perfect, perfect world. Yeah. But there's no way, man, nobody wants to share their franchise. It's, it's neither all- fan base and the PA, right? Like the players. So I have to have multiple homes Two in multiple homes. countries. <laughs> like, I- yeah. Yeah. Oh, and wait. And so we're going to, uh, it's fine. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to let my kids finish school in, in Tampa Bay and then we're going to go for the summer. But what happens in September, right. man? Yeah. Am I still playing or are we only spending two months in Montreal? And then I got to like tax, different tax. Florida is a, is a much lower tax state mm-hmm. than Montreal. Like it just, there's so many reasons where you're like, come on, man, that's not working. Well, one Don't of the things give me that, shit. that goes along with this is, is the cost of the ballpark now? Because if you were just going to play April, May, June in Tampa and then head to Montreal through the hottest part of the summer, you can get away with different things than what you're going to have to do now. Like that ballpark is going to have to have a retractable roof in Tampa if you're going to play through the hottest part of the summer. So the cost, you already couldn't sell the Tampa Bay local government on helping you build this park. Now it has to be a nicer, more expensive park. Yeah, well, I'm not sure that this is the bullet to Montreal. It's the bullet to the split city plan. Yeah, 
but I'm not sure that like, and Sternberg, the owner of the Rays, did come out and say, you know, part of my decision will have to kind of rest on our attendance this year. And he goes, I think getting up to at least you know inside the top twenty is doable. Based on what? Like we, just, you've been a bottom three attendance team for decades. I with with a very good team. Yes. For a very long time. Yep. Um, and it's interesting. Again, this this one Tampa Bay um, vlogger who I was who I was watching and listening to, and he was talking about he doesn't mind. You know, he's a hardcore baseball fan, but he's like, yeah, I go over to the Trop. And it's air conditioned. Yep. I don't mind the state. You know what I mean? He's like, but if they were going to build with a split city, they're going to build a, a sort of a cheaper stadium yes. because it's not going to have all the amenities because it's a really an April, May, June stadium. Yep. Right. Whereas if you are, as you've alluded to, if you're going to go six months of the year there, yeah, we need to have all the amenities that a full-time stadium comes. He's like, so we're looking at 600 million versus 1.3 billion. Yep. And Good so luck to you. This is it, right? And, and it becomes a different proposition the whole way along. And so I agree with you, Matt, that if this really means that somebody's going to have to pony up for, you know, three times the money for a full-time stadium down there, or you're going to be like, we're going to build a stadium in Montreal and you're going to go full time. Yep. Now we're talking yep. like this is a conversation I'm willing to have, but this split split thing is, is ridiculous. Well, speaking of ridiculous, I know, uh, as I, I, I probably should have predicted some quotes out of Toronto this week, caught your attention. Uh, the Maple Leafs, take a loss since last we spoke uh, to the Rangers, which featured another blown lead, uh, then a win against the Islanders on Saturday. Uh, they wrap up their six-game road trip at 3-2-1. and one. Sheldon Keefe said they were soft and purposeless, something we've all been called a time or two, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> it hurt, it's hurtful at Thanksgiving, though. Right? <laughs> it is, man. I'm doing my best. Um, honestly, I didn't have much on this man, but, uh, you had it on the topic list. Obviously you, you wanted to, to touch on it. What did you think of, of Keith's characterization of his team? Well, there's just a couple of things and, and maybe there's not a pile here. Um, I think for a lot of us soft for sure is the way we felt about the Leafs, right? Purposeless is you're the guy in charge, man. I'm, I'm not sure. If, if you're feeling, and my, my question really more has to do as I lob it back at you is, is like, how often can you do this as a, as a coach, if you're Sheldon Keefe and really it comes down to, I, I think if he loses in the first round, he's, yeah, it, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. So, so you, is this the beginning at the, at the 40 point mark or 40 game played, sorry, moving forward that. He's got to whip the dogs moving forward, and he's got to use whatever tools are in a coach's tool belt to make this shit happen. Are we going to expect more of this, in your opinion? Uh, I don't know about in terms of what he might say. To me, and I don't. it depends how you took this, because I think a lot of people had their own read on it. My take, and if I'm being totally honest, I did not watch Wednesday's game. I was recording our uh, UFC 270 preview. Um, when I went in to record, they were comfortably up. When I came out of recording, they were comfortably down. Comfortably down. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And I went back in and edited. I didn't see the press conference and his comments till um, I opened Twitter as I was going to bed and went, that can wait till tomorrow. Um, I took it to mean that night they looked soft and purposeless in their own end. And watching the highlights the next day, I can see what he's talking about uh, at different moments. But I think there were a lot of people, perhaps such as yourself, you'll, you'll correct that if it's not, that have been... Waiting for that affirmation that not tonight we were soft and purposeless. We're in general always soft and purposeless. And I didn't get that from him. And one of the things to take advantage or to not take advantage of, but to point out is that it was, you had your entire second pair not playing. It was Sandine and Lilligren as your second pair. Lilligren got bullied a few times and on the, one of the, the Ryan Reeves goals, he just dominated Sandine. One of two. Yes, but he dominated Sandine in the corner, and I don't know how many defensemen were going to stand up to that bully job that he took. Yep. Um, I, I get it, that that's the narrative people have wanted for a very long time to pin on this team, and once the coach says it, it has legs now, right? It has breath again. It has... It is whatever, but this is a team that since November 1st has the third best record in the league. This road trip, which many are calling a disaster, was 3-2-1. and Um, I I just, I believe the coach was frustrated with that performance. I don't believe he was painting the season or the team as soft and purposeless. Safe to assume that, and you're right, and I think those are valid and well-made points. Thank you. Um, Moving on. <laughs> End of the show. Yeah, See you later. Exactly. Uh, well, and really, you're gonna you're gonna edit it later. And it's, gonna end, <laughs> it's gonna end how you want it to end, anyways. Um, but yeah, most when things you look, do. When you look at yeah, oh, sadly, <laughs> when you look at the at, at the Leafs as a, as a team and and leads given up, right? Like even games they've won on that road trip, mm-hmm. right? Had leads, yep. had to come back, yep. had, you know this sort of thing, and and it just sort of seems to be that continuous thing. Where you go, ah, no lead is no lead seems to be safe. Oh, see that I I take serious issue with that because perfect. That's what we have a podcast for. Coming into that road trip, they're seventeen zero and one when they're leading after two. So, okay, there is feeling, no sign at all that they can't hold a lead at that point. Like, but you go to Colorado at altitude. Look, maybe that's a maybe that's an excuse, but. You've been playing home games in an empty building. You go to Colorado in a full building at altitude against a great team. And you blow a lead. And I don't remember if we got to this last week. I don't think we did. It was two weeks ago now. That it was a 4-1 lead that they blew. And so Twitter, of course, is, ah, my God, 4-1. We love that. Right. But if it had been a 3-0 or a 5-2 lead that they blew, yeah, we still talk about blown lead, but it's not... You're across the bear. Right. So, fair enough. But since then, they beat Vegas. Um, they get goal lead, quite frankly, in Arizona. And you shouldn't lose to Arizona. That's not okay. But they dominated that game. They beat St. Even Louis. Montreal. It wasn't pretty. Um, but they did win it. Uh, they, yep. the, the game against the Rangers was horrible. But the Rangers were are a good team. And so I just, on that road trip, 
maybe the real question should be about the goaltending because they come back with a 58% expected goals for and a 53% Corsi for. Like they played pretty well on the trip. They got 885 goaltending on that trip. Yep. It's not good. Hey, hey. man, and, and this is it 100%, man. Everybody understands. If oh, you're allowing- careful here. There's a lot of things that not everybody understands. Yeah, okay. And, and you know what? And I, and I throw that out there because yeah. I am I am hyperbole guy. I am sky is falling. I am leave suck guy. Yeah, true. Um, on all those fronts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the seventeen zero and one number is great. Is a great number in the regular season mm-hmm. when when you're coughing up leads. And, and you're winning the game still. Or not right? coughing up is the point. They hadn't not, blown. St. Louis game, you look at that game, exactly. Whatever happens, there are games. But it was 17-0-1 before the road trip. That's what okay. I'm telling you. Yeah. All right. All right. Great. That is a fantastic, yeah. fantastic number. All I'm saying is, so you have no issue. I do. You're feeling no, confident. Blowing those leads is concerning. I just don't think it's become, all of a sudden, it's the Leafs are still choking and blowing leads all the time. It's not. The Leafs are choking and blowing leads the last two weeks, and I right. don't like that. I'm concerned about that, but the fact that we're now going to paint the whole season is that, you know what it is for me, man, honestly, more than anything else, everyone, you and me and every idiot and brilliant hockey fan came into this season saying the Leafs don't Which matter until, comfortably in the middle, man, <laughs> the Leafs don't matter until the playoffs. And so I'm just having a hard time getting too wound up when they're playing 800 hockey from November 1st to January 1st. And when they're getting 885 goaltending from the last, I just can't get there that I'm, the sky is falling or best team ever. I I, I just... That is a mature Matt. That is a seasoned Matt. That's a boring Matt. (laughs) And that is a jaded Matt who's saying, yeah, man, I don't care about that. As you say, 800 hockey, unless it's that 800 refers to my goaltending. Right. I care about that. (laughs) That's your John Graham style goaltending right there. Yeah. Um, But when you look at that road trip and how things went slightly sideways, and and I, I, I thought they gave up a lead in Vegas as well. But one in overtime. But one in overtime. Yes. And so what happens is with your 800 regular season, when they remove those and you're only getting your Colorados, your yep. Vegas's, yep. your St. Louis's, your Rangers, whatever that is, right? And I agree with you. The bottom line is if Campbell isn't going to be 940 Campbell and decides he's going to be 900 Campbell, like that's a huge difference, man. And, but and at that point, don't you have to go, hey, three, two, and one with 885 goaltending is pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, well, there's no doubt the Leafs are a good team. Yeah. There's talent, and and I, I, which of their top three defensemen are out? They're Muzzin missing. and Hall right now. Oh, okay. Muzzin is who I was yeah, referring of course. to. Yeah. And so you look at it and go, yeah, that's problematic, and everybody suffers, man, when, when it happens. But yeah, if it comes down to crunch time, which is where in the playoffs, you're only going to see your mm-hmm. Bruins, your Panthers, your Lightning. Yeah, I'm not thrilled with how they've played. I'm just not willing to get too bogged down in this two-week span. That's all. Yep. That's and and I get it. And and that is the um, that's good perspective to have, which means you're fucking off the show, Matt. <laughs> 
fly off the handle or fly <laughs> off the show. One or the other, man. We need shit to happen here anyways. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. And if you want to talk about flying off the handle and and let's did you did you watch the games on Saturday night? I did. Did you watch it on Hockey Night in Canada, Matt? I did. Did you watch Coach Cal, Matt? Oh, the the motivational kid. The is yeah. that nah. yes. Yeah. Did you watch that kid? I've seen that kid a couple times. I didn't actually see him on Saturday. I might All have right. been over to the UFC by then. All right, and so the deal is, I've had enough of that I, kid. I'd never heard the kid before, and again, whatever. He it, spoke to your Pete's man. Yeah, I know. Well, and then he on, spoke man. to Ellen. Yeah, we don't. You know. <laughs> You're not catching every Pete's game these days. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's been a while. But hey, the maroon and white, man, yeah. that's that's gorgeous. Timeless. It is indeed. We don't, you know, rebuild. We just retool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the Pete's mantra. Um, sure was. It was at one point. <laughs> yes, I think that went out the window by the mid nineties. Yeah. But anyways, I'm listening to him, and again, Ottawa Senators fan here, mm-hmm. right? And he 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 breaks out the the Leafs. On the island tonight, and you know, blah blah blah. Austin Matthews on the streak, and blah blah blah. Come on, Toronto Maple Leafs, do Canada proud. Yeah, love this kid. Then he's like, Capital City Showdown, Ottawa's in Washington, and then he's right on to Montreal. (laughs) He's trying to avoid an avalanche in Colorado, and then he's on to the next, you know, and you're like, I want to, I'm just going to drop an F bomb on the kid, but you're like, come on, man. We got to hear this whole Toronto Duke Canada proud. Love it. Forget it, kid. I don't care. I don't care about that. I don't care for that. But he's clearly a McDavid fan as well. Cause then he's like, tonight's the night for the W battle of Alberta. We're going to show him. So I just, I was interested, Matt. And if the kid's clearly doing it good for him. Yeah, this all started a few weeks ago or more than that, right? He's given a he's somebody's kid in uh, a former one of the women's national team players. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he gives a motivational speech to the Pete's, and it goes viral. And then he ends up giving one to uh, to Ellen um, on her show because she saw the video, and now it's a thing. So I actually I missed that on uh, on hockey night. I don't know what okay. I was flipping around doing, but uh, yeah, I just. Because you've reminded me of it here now, I would like to point out that one of the things, it was the first three replies to Damian Cox of all people after the Leafs lost to the Rangers, all referenced Leafs need to play tougher, more like lose teams, more like the Islanders was the first three replies. They go out and they beat the Islanders and those there was two out of the same three people in the replies going, that wasn't the real Islanders. That's not like, what do you want at this point? Yeah, right. That is, that is the 2021, uh, the 2021, 2022 Islanders. Yeah. That is. That's who is here. Like, I guess it's not, it doesn't count. Right. If, if you don't, uh, everyone's that you know, you need to hit more and you're like, okay, but we're winning. We've had the puck all yeah. night and you usually hit when you don't, have, have it. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So, so here, here's, wait, here's a question for you, man. All right. Unless you had somewhere to go with not, that. Not, we're just out here aimlessly wandering at this point. No, man. no, we are not. I am. I am. I, am I, am, I don't know. I, I'm an, that's it, Matt. You've given up the wheel. Sure. Rob's in control. Nice. How long and if ever, and, and on a night, on Saturday night, when, when uh, within, a, within 24 hours of Clark Gildy's passing, yeah. how long... And do the Islanders retire John Tavares's? Never. 
It's never going to happen. No. And it's, and to be fair, you know me, Tavares, love him, Oshawa General, you know, now Leaf guy. He didn't win anything there. And the fan base boos every time he comes back. They feel spurned by his departure. I don't know why you would. Like, he just didn't accomplish enough there to force it through the venom, right? He, like, was, the only, he was the only thing worth watching. I, I agree with you. There. I agree with you. But I just don't think there's going to, at the end of the day, like, I think they won one playoff round with him, which is one more than he's won with the Leafs. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but uh, You're bringing it, Matt. <laughs> Do you? Like, would you? I, I I think there I think there's a time maybe it's ten years, but what did um, he do there? He was great there, but uh, they didn't the win. And he was the only thing they had going for them. Like he was an eighty point guy on a shitbird team. Yeah, but we say all the time, man, that the the jersey retirements are the for the fans. The Hall of Fame is for yep. like the yep. fans don't like him. Yeah, but I I I, I think that changes. Out in, out in the future. Not now. Yeah. Clearly. And, and I didn't watch a second of the Leaf game on Saturday night. So I don't know how he was received. They booed him. If there was you, still more, <laughs> more soothers yeah. and more, you know, crybaby stuff. I don't know. And chants like the Islander fans. No, that, since the team is terrible this year, the building's back to being half full. And even though it's a brand new building, you're like, oh, I get it. You're not actually a very good fan base. Eh, mm. yep. Shots fired. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's all I... We're good, man. Let's move out to another place where shots were fired. People are getting pissy. Things are rough in Edmonton, man. Um, I know it's been a few days, but this is one of those stories that you just have to talk about. And uh, the Oilers, they do get back on track. Big win against the Flames. I can only imagine what Sunday would have looked like had they lost to the provincial rival in the Battle of Alberta. It was a tight game, man. It was a good one. Um, But... The Oilers do get back on track, but back on, I think it was Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Uh, I'm sure you've all seen it by now, and we will insert the audio here. But uh, Jim Matheson, not thrilled with Leon Dreisaitl. Leon Dreisaitl, not thrilled with Jim Matheson. Leon, what's your level of anger at the way things are going now? I know you're frustrated with where you were at the beginning of the season to where you are. And what's your, are you angry as well as frustrated? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, of course it's, it's frustrating. Uh, like I said, we're not where, where we want to be. Um, anger, uh, I don't know if I would call it anger. It's more frustration, but uh, you know, that's obviously something that you have to put behind yourself and, um, you know, go back to work. Did you think over the last two years you've been second in your division and you showed a lot of maturity, but now you've lost six in a row twice. Did you think your team was past that, of not getting into these long losing streaks? Sure, yeah. Um, lots of reasons for why the Oilers are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now is there is there one thing that you in your own mind you're saying we got to get better at that yeah we ha- we have to get better at everything would you like to expand on that nope you can do that you know everything why are you so pissy leon hmm? why are you so pissy i'm not i'm just I, answering you yeah you are whenever i ask you a question 
I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing for sure. And I, I, I don't know what you think about this man, but it's impossible to ask the question, why are you so pissy without coming off as pissy? pissy. <laughs> well, you funny. look like the douche. Yeah, it's funny because you dropped Jim Matheson's name on the show last Monday. Yeah. Right when I, we were talking about He's shitty not Edmonton media. Yes. And, and so when that happened, I, I can't count on one hand the number of people who dropped Jim Matheson, Hall of Fame mm-hmm. writer. Yep. And you're like, yeah, you know what? That and two bucks will get you a fucking coffee at Tim Horton. Steve Simmons defended him on Twitter saying he oh. covered the greatest Oilers dynasty and asked great questions. Like, that was 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Was he riding the train uh, with them right. at the same time? <laughs> with his little press credentials right in his hat? Like, sure. Do not give me this. That does not make you. I saw it too, man. Yeah, yeah. I saw all that, and th- that doesn't make me a hockey expert. <laughs> and and I think an you, you as a media guy, and and I am I am full on. You and I have differed on this through the through the pod over the years. Yeah, your your players are your outlet to the fans. Mm-hmm. But Jim Matheson, you as a writer, are the conduit from the player to the fans. You need to take yourself out of the situation and and remain as that conduit not to be offended by by nobody respecting you and your hall of fame credentials fuck you man you're living wherever you're living in northern alberta suck it you're like the rest of us <laughs> write your article man well and, and carry on and you don't i don't know this is the big thing man you don't get to talk to me that way why are you so pissy you know, Huh? And he, goes, and he says again, why are you so pissed? He goes, I'm not. And he goes, yes, you are. Like, I am not a 13-year-old child that you get to lecture. And the one of the things that puts this in stark contrast, could you ever see Jim Matheson or Steve Simmons or Mark Spector or any of the guys who came running to Jim Matheson's aid asking that question to Dave Tippett or Ken Holland? Or is it only to 20-year-olds that you feel have disappointed you somewhere down the line? It's fucking gross, man, that you think you get to talk that way. And the clip that got shared that did make Leon at times look a little bit bad, because he absolutely was snarky in response. Once we go down this road, and, and like I said, the audio's been in here, you'll have heard it. It's it's not fair, because it's not a full clipping There is two questions that are cut out before we get to that. Jim Matheson asks him, I know you're frustrated. Everything's frustrating. You're getting frustrated. But are you also angry? Would you also say you're angry? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm frustrated. Like, he gives a full answer. He goes, we're frustrated. I don't know if I'd call it angry, but, you know, we're frustrated. And he goes, and you've lost six in a row twice now. And your your team, everyone thought you were more mature than that. And you were past that. Are you, you know? Did you think your team was past all this? And he answers that. And then he goes into the the one that everyone started sharing, which was the, can you name something that you think you need to do better? And it was clear they wanted you to throw somebody under the bus. 
it, and probably the goaltending, right? Like, what do you need to do better? You want to, well, we need to get a fucking save, which they do. But Leon Drysaddle's not going to stand up there and say that. Right. And so he goes, yeah, we need to do everything better, which is fair enough. And Matheson keeps drilling at him. And at yep. some point, Drysaddle just goes, you know what? Enough. He goes, I gave you an answer. And he goes, not a very good one. I'm like, well, that's on you, man. Like, you've clearly already written a story in your head and you're looking yep. for me to give you a quote that yep. fits into it. Ask better questions or write a better article. It's not on oh. Dreisaitl at all. And to watch the media fall all over themselves to defend Jim Matheson was fucking embarrassing, man. Yeah. And, and again, I've always been on, going back to you and I button heads on the Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel. Toronto. Yeah. And, and, and again... I am all about that. And to hear Mark Messier say, right, hey, man, you are you are representing not yourself, you're representing the team. Which and, is and why he refused to bury uh, Costa. This is it. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And so Dreisaitl is showing leadership and answering the questions. And I agree with everything you've said. Yeah. Jim Matheson, to me, is the guy who has, as this... Hall of Fame media guy, you've missed the mark, man. Yep. You've taken this personally, and you are just a scribe. Get get to it, man. You are nobody. Ask a better question. Well, Write and, a better and, story. And, and if not, insert the Jakob Voracek fucking <laughs> says, hey, you're a fucking asshole, and you know everything. And, and it's funny because Dreisaitl said, hey, man. Do what you want with it. You know everything. And that's it. And that that clip that got shared initially shows Matheson ask one question and Dreisaitl come off as dismissive or pissy then. Yeah. But it buries the fact that he's already been asked the same thing, basically. Like, it, it just... Your Red Fisher days are over, man. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, and, and there's going to be guys like you and I who can, who can share opinions freely mm-hmm. and, and just you know, ill-informed, whatever. <laughs> occasionally. Do our, do our thing. Yeah, no, occasionally, of course. But but the idea that because somebody has deemed your career to be Hall of Fame worthy means you get to put yourself out in front. Right. You've, you've missed the mark, man. You've missed the mark as a journalist. You can ask the questions, but at the end of the day, you are the conduit from the player to the fans. Do not forget that. Right. Because there are so many other opportunities Yeah, you're not the now. story. Yeah. And fans have so many more outlets. It's not like we can just pick up the Ottawa Sun today and go, what did Bruce Garriock say? Right. Uh, I haven't looked at Bruce Garriock in a gajillion years. Good call. Right. But I'm just saying, this is the thing, right? And you go, there's so many more outlets yep. for me to find. Ian Mendez in The Athletic. Mm-hmm. There's... There's bloggers. There's Graham all Nichols. Kinds of things. There's six there, uh, sends chirp. There, there, tons. I don't of, need. I don't need to go to somebody who is sucking the hind well, and, and again, man, could you in a million years would he have given that same tone to Dave Tippett if he was in a bad mood after a game, or to Ken Holland when I? This is just an a, you know an entitlement thing. I deserve it. Dave Tippett's coming down there and filling him in. That could be, man. Wouldn't that be awesome? But uh, like, it just, I don't understand why you think, not you, but yeah, yeah. the general you think that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl need to answer for why this team is shit 
they are not the problem, right? Like, and yep. to sit there and grill them and say, "Oh, they are the problem, Matt." Apparently. When when they're scoring two points a game <laughs> each, they're winning. Yes. When they're scoring only a mere mortal one, one point a game, they are not winning. Get your shit together, Leon and Connor. Yeah. No, it it's just, man. I I just one of the things that that too many people have not yet come to the the realization on. They're not woke enough. Yeah, exactly, man. Is that like 80, 90% of the time that a team is bad, it's because a GM has built it badly? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> and yes. very rarely is it that a great team has been built and it just plays like shit. Now, there are other things that factor in. Could it be bad goaltending? Could it be bad coaching? But those are team building things. Yeah. And yet... It's very hard for a media member to just say, this is a poorly constructed team and it's going to take a while and it's going to be hard to fix because that tells the fan, tune out, man. Like, this isn't going to be good for a while. And the hockey narrative, the the culture thing that we like to predict is this could be fixed if they had, if they worked harder, if they tried more. That's the DJ Smith. And, and really, maybe your team's just shit. And yes, I, I wasn't going to bring in the Sens. You said DJ Smith. <laughs> but when you build a team that, it's probably just a shit team. And yet no one's yelling at Ken Holland. They want to ask Leon Dreisaitl, what's your fucking problem? Take the name away. Whatever the franchise is yeah. called. If you've got four guys in your in your lineup tonight that should be in the AHL, and you are getting 885 goaltending... <laughs> You are not winning. Right. I don't care who you are, Scotty Bowman, whatever, right. whoever the whoever the GM is, you're Sam Pollock. You're not fucking winning. Right. And like pick your team. JFJ, Dave Nonis, Brian Burke did a bad job in Toronto and the team was bad. It's no more complicated than that. Oh, and Matt, it's a constant struggle. It's a constant Pete Shirelli, Ken Holland, they're doing a bad job. Jim Benning oh. did a bad job. And there's and there's a lot of oxygen being fought for there, Matt. And, and really, if you want to if you want to talk about that's a lot, that's a lot of stuff happening there. Yeah. Fighting, fighting for air. But if we if we really want to talk about legitimate fighting, yeah, we do. Leave that aside and we can move it on to, you know, actual fighting. Face punching. And UFC 270 on Saturday night, Matt. And I know. Hugh and Bunda broke it down quite nicely, right? Francis Ngannou and Cyril Ghani, right? Yeah. Thoughts, Matt? You know what? This was one of those cards that was maybe the weakest I'd seen in a while. That, that It was super top-heavy, two big main events, two titles on the line, and then barely fight night quality. Um Bunch of people testing positive, bunch of people being injured, and you know the 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 whole card changes a few times, but the top end delivered in a big way, and you know you you have two title fights, one of them ends up changing hands, one of them ends up uh, defending. Uh, if we start with the co-main and Davison Figueredo taking the belt off Brandon Moreno uh, as a flyweight, that was an incredible fight and you see Figueredo coming in as the underdog everybody including me kind of going I I think Moreno's got his number now he's got him figured out 
that series now stands at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. The first one's a draw. Then Moreno takes the title. Figueredo takes it back. I don't know how, you know, on one of these shows recently with Creech and Bunda, we kind of laughed going, are you just going to keep running out these two guys? How many times can you keep doing this fight? I think you have to do this fight again. We're going to see the quad. And luckily, there's almost nothing else of any consequence at Flyweight right now. No one's screaming out, I need a title fight right now. But, man, um, Figueroa taking it back means you probably have to run another rematch, right? Like, well, uh, and it's not like it's not like it, there's been a a two and one, right? And, and you saw you saw Figueroa say, "I thought I won." Yeah, right. Yeah, and so, but he was also up for the the rematch. Like he's going, "Let's go to Mexico. Let's do it there." Like he, I. But a it, one, one, and one. It, all I'm saying is, yeah, you got to do the quad. Yeah, like, to, which it's, it's so fucked though, right? Like, I know, but it's it's not like at at one and one or at two and zero, oh, and you're like, hey man, I fucking yeah, won this is over. I, yeah, no, no <laughs> man, it's it comes down to, and even the, the one, nature of the fight, like Figueroa took two rounds that he lost. At the very last minute, in two rounds, he lands a huge blow and knocks Moreno down in times where he'd already lost that round, but because he gets the two knockdowns, it swings those rounds. It was that close, right? Like it, that was a war of a, of a fight. Uh, well worth the five rounds, even though it went to the the judges, like you're fine with that. One of those ones where you don't feel ripped off by that. And you walk away going, I, I came into this going, this is it. You have to decide this here and walked away going, all right, one more. <laughs> Let's oh. But competitive fights. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in, in the Nganu. Yep. And in terms of when you talk about a, a five-round fight and how shit pivots, do you think it comes down to, and, and again, I didn't see the fight, but I pieced together most of most of the, the main of the uh of the headliner fight. Yeah. And and do you think that fight comes down to who ends up on top in that fifth round? I do. Um, again, this is another one that goes the distance. Francis Ngannou, you know, when we did the preview show, it was if Ngannou's going to win, it's going to be generously in the first two rounds, but probably in the first round, right? Like, this is a guy who gasses him out, himself out throwing huge bombs. And and Cyril Gan was a much better all-around fighter, um, more pieces to his game, very quick, like he moves like a middleweight. Excellent uh, footwork. Yeah, and so... Footwork. That's <laughs> that's sort of what you would have expected coming in. And then Ganu comes out, and he's got two knee sleeves on. And all of a sudden... That's a bad, that's a bad sign. Right. Now, it's pretty clear, okay, one of his knees is fucked up. He doesn't want to tell you which one. So that's why you wear both, right? But... He's already a guy whose fitness isn't tremendous. He throws bombs like his. He's got fists like mailboxes that he's throwing around at you. Well, if I'm knocking you out, I don't have to worry about what my fourth and fifth round are going to look like. Yeah. Well, that was it. So I got to win probably in the first round, maybe two. And if it goes any deeper than that, it's advantage gone. And what ends up happening is the exact opposite. Cyril gone wins rounds one and two. 
And then Francis Ngannou turns into Habib Nurmagomedov and starts wrestling and takedowns and what, and he comes back and he wins the final three rounds on what turns out to be a torn ACL and an injured MCL. And that's maybe why he's not throwing the bombs that we're used to seeing is he's just not feeling that power, but it took him some time in those first couple rounds to kind of figure out what he was going to be able to do and to watch him win the last three rounds is the exact opposite of what anyone would have predicted. And and for you to ask, you know, is it just a question of who's on top at the end? Yeah. Like I think everyone had that fight at 38, 38 going into the fifth round and Cyril gone at one point is on top and he decides to get a little fancy. He's going to go for this leg lock and he f- misses it. And Ganu runs the sweep, which no one has ever seen him do before. All yeah. of a sudden he's out and he is back up on his feet. He gets the takedown. He finishes the fight on top and that's probably enough to swing the whole thing. He get, got that extra takedown and controlled the entire rest of the round on top. He's not doing a bunch of damage there, but he is on top and that that's worth something right to the well, judges. And and the thing is, it comes down to the, it was a heel hook. Yeah. Right. That he went for, and, that Gone went that, for. That Gone went for, right? And and if you look at it, you go, we no longer value the impetus or the inspiration, which is I'm trying to win. And we've seen that in the sport, right? Which is I'm going to get on top and I'm going to control your movement and all that. Well, but even if you go back that, to the that, co-main but that, though, that, but Brandon but that, Moreno lands far more strikes, way more strikes. He's clearly the aggressor, but Figueredo's landing the better, like the harder strikes. So who was yeah. the aggressor there? And that one came out for Figueredo. He yeah, was outstruck well, the whole, the whole fight. Right. But I want significant strikes over volume of strikes. Okay. I'm just saying, if we're going to talk about being the aggressor, right? Yeah, like, yeah. 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 But the thing is, I want, I want, um, results over action. Right. Yep. I don't want to see you just be busy and, and, and touching me versus solid shots. Like right. To me, I, I, as somebody watching the fight, it's likewise, I want to see somebody who is active mm-hmm. on the ground, right? As opposed to somebody who's just trying to control you and keep you from doing damage right. or moving out. And so gone, the fact that he went for the heel hook and and, and lost it, I think that's got to be worth something as opposed to just control. But he did, I sort of agree, had he gotten it and held on to it for at least, but he never had it at all. Yeah, yeah. Like well, it's if, a missed if, attempt. If he, if he gets it, it's he over. wins the fight because yeah. there's a tap. But, but that's this, it. Like both of those fights, both of those co-main events go to the fifth round tied and it's, let's see, and and, and Nganu manages to just ride that out. And at some point when you are the champ, and this is one thing people... You want to be the man? You got to beat the man. That's right, man. And so that's one of the things. I was surprised that they took the the title off Moreno because the same way... I don't think Figueredo was significantly better than Moreno, right? That you took the, the title off of him when it went to the, to the judges' scorecards. Whereas in the main event, obviously they felt like... Like they felt that way. Like they, he... At no point was gone better enough that you're going to take the belt off the champ. And yeah, it, it was a fascinating fight. And I saw people in the replies in the, on Twitter uh, who don't know anything saying <laughs> that wasn't, you know, Francis and Ghanu's supposed to knock people out, you know, 
he didn't win that fight. That's not how this works at all. Like if he doesn't have his power game that day, he's, all, he's walking around and we find out on a torn ACL. Yeah. You win the fight however you can and you have it's to beat martial arts. the champion, right? And and one of the things that you can, like guys sell it, right? At the end of the fight, if Gon thinks it's even close, he's going to come up with his hands in the air. He's going to be walking around. He's He came up leaning against the cage, head down. He knew he didn't do enough. So if the fighters know, I mean, come on, right? Like it, it I know we wanted to see something spectacular happen, either an Nganu knockout in the first five or seven minutes or gone, finish him kind of somewhere in round three or four. Um, and Ganu found a way to get it done, man. And it, to me, that's impressive. And it leads to a ton of interesting stuff now in the well, aftermath. And, and it, and it does come down to, you know, you are a mixed martial artist. There is varied skills that yep. come. And, and the fact that you are a knockout artist and, and again, gone, Cyril gone is a, he is, he is a alpha striker, mm-hmm. right? He, he's got great footwork. There's yep. all kinds of stuff happening there. And, and, and yes, you would absolutely expect Nganu to, to take this out and be done. But the fact that he is able to overcome and change it up, and I, I'm sure due to circumstances, change the fight path. Had to. Had to. And, and I'm sure nobody in, in the Gone camp saw that happen. No, no. They had no idea that Nganu's strategy was going to be to try to take you down and rescue yeah, you. Yeah, control it on the <laughs> ground, right? And so, but to me, the, I, I, think, I think maybe the most interesting thing to come out of this card is the Nganu mm-hmm. controversy with the UFC brass. And is it okay to say with Dana White... Like, I, I'm not sure why it has to be UFC management, UFC brass, right? We're always putting this, right? In terms of, if you look at the salaries that yeah. came out, that came out of, that were published last night and, and you go, Nganu gets 600 grand, no fight bonus, mm-hmm. right? Just the straight 600 grand salary. And that's fine. Like 600 grand, man, that's like, that's a, that's, that's a pile of money for a working stiff like me, but you are it's talking a pittance for your heavyweight champ. Well, this is it, right? <laughs> and, and gone gets five hundred grand, and then it drops to like immediately to a hundred and twenty and two hundred grand for the guys in the co-main. Yeah, and then down as low as nine and ten and twelve thousand for people on your undercard. Well, I and would so- encourage you not to get bogged down there because there was eight guys making their UFC debut on this yeah, card, yeah. so you don't yeah, make yeah. a ton and of money. Women. Yes. And, and, it, and it does come down to there's people making 20 grand. You're not doing and, shit to help us sell these fights. Your name is nothing, right? And, like, and a 20 fight bonus. But you are talking about somebody who is putting their health three quarters of their year. Yep. No, you're or, right. Or one quarter of the year, sorry. And, 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 and their health and all that on the line to better the promotion. All I'm saying is you look at the salaries given according to Las Vegas. Yep. It's less than two million bucks combined, and and I look at the at, at what the revenue on yeah the gate the PPVs all these things, and you go, I don't blame Ngannou who's saying I, I'm not being treated well as as your heavyweight champion. Like you put your middleweight champion, whoever it is, up against Ngannou, what's going to happen? 
Well, yeah, he's obviously going to get smashed. But what well, I'm saying is, this is your, this is your top of the meal chain. Right yeah, here. your heavyweight champ supposed to be your big star, and Ngannou has star power with his finishing ability. But this is the the whole story is right that he's been fighting with the UFC. You need to pay me more, and he's not the only guy saying that. That this those salaries have to come up, and if you compare it to like the NHL negotiated with the PA. 50-50, right? You get to see, the PA gets to see the revenues, gets to see the books, and go, we get 50% of that. The UFC pays out anywhere from 14 to 20% of its revenues to the fighters. And Name! so, yeah, you get to say, not enough, man. I need more than that. You And the heavyweight champ especially gets to go, 600 grand, man, like boxing main events at the low point of boxing right now. They're getting 20, 30 million. Like there's no wonder Ngannou is wanting to go fight Tyson Fury. He's going to make a pile of cash there and he's not demanding 20 million a fight, but you got to get hired in 600 grand because I got to pay for a training camp and travel and coaches and all this stuff. It's not that much money when you put like, like you said to you and I, yeah, it's a lot of money, but I got a lot of expenses that go with that. And I'm your heavyweight champ. Yeah. There's got to be, and at the end of it, Dana White can't be bothered to come into the octagon and put the belt on the heavyweight champ. He snubs him and walks away and leaves the uh, the vice president to do that. Dana White, at, after that, there's always a post-fight press conference. The fighters come out, then Dana comes out, gives the, you know, fight of the night, knockout of the night, all the bonuses, you know, answers reporters' questions. After this win, who do you see the next matchup being? All these. Yeah. He snubs the press conference and doesn't show up. Dana White looks like a bitch right now because Francis Ngannou has made him look terrible and Francis holds the cards now. When you, this was his last fight under contract, except if you're the champ. Yeah. When you win, you're expected to stick around and defend the title or hold out your contract for a year. Francis Ngannou, if he wants to, can sit around for a year and then walk away, and even Cyril Gaon has already said, that sucks. Like, that robs the UFC heavyweight division of its credibility because no one beat the champ. He just walked away. Yeah. You're going to have to pay this guy, and I don't think that's wrong. I think Nganu gets to go, yeah, you know what, man? Pay me. Are you ponying up for a Derek Lewis, Cyril Cyril Gaon? No, I'm not. Heavyweight interim? No. The fight right now you make is Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. But that's going to cost them money. <laughs> John Jones saying, I'd fuck them both up. Yeah, well, let's see, man. Like, uh, that's the fight. That's the money fight. But both of those guys are going to demand to get paid. And it's entirely on Dana. That. I want to see that fight, though. Yeah, of course you do. We all do. But Dana, to skip the press conference so he doesn't have to answer the yeah, questions yeah. about that, you're a loser, man. Well, like, and that is that is the, to me, and it's it's... I told you the story about, about me dusting that guy up in the parking lot <laughs> last week. Um, I worked for somebody else who was in business for 55 years. And this gentleman would take all kinds of shit and abuse. And I'd look at him like, are you kidding me? But yet the reality is he's a businessman. Yeah. And he's, just, he's just bobbing, weaving. What can I take? What can I not take? You know what I mean? Yep. And, and to me, Dana White has always been a bit about that, right? Like, what what is it that I that I can do tolerate business 
whatever it is for the for the emblem up front, mm-hmm. right? And this kind of thing is is not is contrary to yeah. That. He Again, looks terrible here. You've taken the Jim Matheson road where yes. you put yourself up front, right? Where hey man, it's it's business. That's how you've made this from a from something fighting under a canvas tent in, in a Florida casino on a on a First Nations reserve to billion dollar yeah. status. Well, and, and like we've made this, we've talked wrestling, or like Vince McMahon as well. Like Hulk Hogan testified to help put Vince McMahon in jail. And then four years later, it was like, well, we need a big WrestleMania match. <laughs> like Vince will bring you back if it's good for business. Dana needed to be in the octagon and put yep. the belt on his heavyweight champion. And he just couldn't do it. It's pathetic, man. Bush. Bush. Anything else on this episode, man? We've covered a ton of ground today. We've been all over the place, Matt. And yeah. I think... The good listener has got what they came for. Nice. That's what I hope to hear, man. Uh, If you have got what you came for, we would love to get a star rating from you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make it a good one because we're putting in the good stuff for you. This is the good shit. That's right. Uh, Don't forget, little wrestling talk Thursday morning. Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet will be here. We'll tee up the Royal Rumble for you. We'll see what he thinks, too. Maybe the current comparison between Dana White and Vince McMahon. (laughs) And uh, there might, that might be a little closer than Dana wants it to be at this particular moment in time. Uh, I think that's it, man. We'll wind it down here. The coffee lager from side launch. Pretty good. Pretty good. Beautiful hey. as, uh, as Collingwood, Ontario. Well, and you know what? Mm. I've finished it up with, uh, I backed up the 9% Imperial IPA with, uh, a little Heller lager from, uh, um, uh, Black Bellows. Very blam, nice. Blam, blam. Yeah. Whoa. Black bellows. <laughs> bam, lamb. Yeah. Um, very nice, man. I- I've been impressed with the two beers I've taken down and they are also in beautiful L9Y. Yes. Okay. Right. So you brought it back home, man. A couple of Collingwood breweries and um, I- I'm I'm thinking both doing good work. Nice, man. We'll wind this one down here. Hope you all have a fantastic week. Give us a follow on social media at Tall Can Audio. We'll see you all Thursday morning. For Rob, my name's Matt. We'll see you all next time. See ya! Now, y'all ain't got nothing else for me to drink. I'm a haul ass. No, I'm serious. I'm about to haul ass. And y'all have no better shit than this to drink. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.